It's Jim, it's the World of Bonds. It's Tuesday, the 22nd of March, 2022. This is for professional investors only, never ever investment advice. Uh, the bond market got kicked while it was down yesterday by Jay Powell. He was giving a speech to some businessmen in, uh, in the States called Restoring Price Stability. I remember this is only a week after the Fed hiked rates and we had then a statement, press conference and Q&A and all of those sorts of things a week ago. This time, though, he came out with what seemed a, an even more hawkish message, a very much more hawkish message than he gave in that rate hiking decision. So I mean, one quote is, um, if we, we conclude it's appropriate to move more aggressively by raising the Fed funds rate by more than 25 basis points at a meeting or meetings, we will do so. And remember, the market was already pricing in 25 basis points hikes for every meeting from the FOMC for the remainder of 2022. So, you know, this is new news effectively that they're willing to go more than 25 basis points and willing to do that not just at one meeting, but at meetings too. In the Q&A after the speech, uh, I think the questioner asked him whether 50 basis points was on the table for May. Um, at the next meeting and uh, the answer was yes it's uh, it is on the table we wouldn't rule that out effectively so that led to a huge sell-off in bond markets yesterday Um, at one stage the two-year US Treasury bond yield didn't just go through 2% so we're now uh, above 2% it went to 2.17 or something like that at its high we're now at about 2.16% for the two-year US Treasury bond yield. Ten years are at 2.32. Um, and that obviously means that we've had a further flattening of the yield curve. So two's tens, the difference between those two yields is now at 16 basis points. So down again. And remember, an inversion there would normally signal a recession. Although, as always, at this stage, as we get near to that number, people are giving reasons why there might not be a recession this time. Uh, but, of course, uh, historically, 100% of the time it has indicated that. And I think there are some factors um, out there, mainly around the oil price and uh, slowdown in global growth, that could make you think that uh, it's quite difficult to argue that there wouldn't be a recession. Nevertheless, uh, that's where we are. It's led to the worst quarter for US Treasury bond yields perhaps ever I don't uh, but the data goes back to something like 1973 for the index um, of US Treasury bonds and we are now down five and a half percent just over five and a half percent year to date for US Treasuries as a whole as an asset class and the worst on record before that was 1980 um, where we had minus 5.45 percent Similar conditions in some way in terms of uh, an oil price induced inflation wave um, and a Fed that was or was about to get very active in trying to, to do that. Remember, Paul Volcker comes in and starts setting US Fed funds rate above the inflation rate, which at the time was seen as uh, radical and an unusual thing to do. Uh, but remember how far below inflation Fed funds are at the moment, and it's a complete turnaround um, in, in terms of that. So to get Fed funds rate above inflation rates at the moment would require a Fed funds rate of, I don't know, eight or something like that, which uh, seems incredibly unlikely. 
but um, that was the environment in the 1980s. Um, not from such a low base, of course, but um, th- there we go. Other implications of what's going on in uh, US Treasury markets is what it means for other currencies. Um, so we're now at six-year low for the Japanese yen. The Japanese yen is at 120 and a half against the US dollar. And one of the big drivers for that is the yield differential between JGBs, the Japanese government bond market, and treasuries. So JGBs, remember, are still pinned below 25 basis points at 10 years by what the the um, uh, Bank of Japan called yield curve control. So they're committed to do whatever it takes effectively in terms of buying to keep 10-year JGBs below 25 basis points. And we've been knocking up above that, uh, knocking up to that level over the past few months as bond markets have sold off globally. But, you know, the, the threat of that level has meant that the BOJ hasn't actually had to do any QE in order to maintain it. At the same time, of course, we've seen um, a huge rise in US Treasury bond yields. So we started the year 1.5%. We're now um, heading up towards 2.5% or 2.32 as we are today. So that's a yield advantage move of um, this huge move. We've seen rise in government bond yields has led to the US Treasury now having a a yield advantage of one and a quarter or so over JGBs. And so that's uh, providing a big bid for the US dollar. Uh, DXY, which is the the index, not quite up at its highs, but March has seen it way above where we started the year. And um, the yen started the year at 114 or a little bit above that 115. So big depreciation in yen over the period. And that is going to cause problems for the Japanese economy because, as we know, while they're exporters of goods, um, equipment, electronics, all of those sorts of things, they're a big importer of energy. Uh, They don't have oil of their own. They've closed down nuclear power stations, a bit like Germany did in the wake of uh, Fukushima disaster. And so uh, the, the impact to consumers will be feeding through the energy channel effectively like it is everywhere in the world and to a lesser extent through imported food but um karuda the boj um head has talked about this sell-off in the end being beneficial overall but i think that people are not necessarily you know beneficial because it is helping exporters cars electronics etc um but I think that people are a little bit sceptical now and talking more about the impacts on consumers of the higher imported inflation. Remember in 2015, Kuroda talked about 125 against the US dollar being something that would be noteworthy to the Bank of Japan and something worth defending perhaps through intervention or rate hikes or, or something else. But I think some sort of policy response is increasing on the table for Japan, given the depreciation in the yen. 125 was called the Kuroda line back in 2015. And so uh, it remains to be seen whether that's defended again this time round. Finally for today, tomorrow Rishi Sunak gives his spring statement, which is likely to be uh, some sort of a budget effectively. Remember the budget used to be in spring, it kind of flip-flops between spring and autumn nowadays, Um, but uh, you know autumn is where it officially is, spring is where we are like to see some action 
in order to help alleviate the inflation problem um, for especially lower income households and some businesses. So we're, he is in a position that he's got some cash to spend because the UK budget deficit is likely to be coming in 25 billion, 26 billion below what they forecast uh, a year ago. Um, so things are better, more rosy in terms of economic growth than perhaps people have expected, and that's leading to higher tax revenues. Um, so budget deficits are below what was expected. So this year, 21-22, the full year, full financial year budget deficit is likely to be something like 150 billion. That compares to 320 billion in the COVID years of 2021. Saying that as if COVID's gone away, and yet we know that more people are in hospital in Scotland with COVID than at any time, um, as of yesterday's data. And it's it seems to be everyone you know has COVID at the moment, but certainly it's less. Uh, overall less damaging in deaths and, and hospitalizations during the 2021 period which i co- characterize as covid years obviously we're spending lots and lots of money on furloughs and grants and reliefs and uh spending mon- money on equipment as well and so 320 billion so we're less than half what we were then and heading back towards normal territory I'd say one thing though, so there is money to spend and it will be spent, but at the same time as there's been some improvement in some things, uh, the impact on um, government borrowing of inflation is itself quite damaging in some ways. So in some ways, tax receipts are likely to go up in line with inflation, but we have a quarter of our borrowing costs tied to RPI, which is exceptionally high. So, you know, I've been talking about that heading up towards 10%. And so because of the index linked gilt market, which is a far bigger percentage of our market than anyone else has in the world, um, it's going to hurt. So this alone, what we've seen already on the increase in RPI and CPI is adding about 30 billion to our borrowing costs. And we'd like to see that again um, as RPI heads higher for the rest of the year. So... That's what it was meant to do. Uh, Index-linked gilts were bought in in part to reassure investors and the marketplace that we would be disciplined about inflation. So it's meant to kind of uh, create a straitjacket for us um, in order to keep inflation low. Uh, But in a world where we can't do anything about inflation, really, it's um, it's all about exogenous shocks effectively oil prices that we don't control um, it's going to be painful for our borrowing costs in in the short to medium term have good days bye